welcome to Professor Dave Debates. Hey everyone, welcome back to Professor Dave Debates. Today we have a very interesting and very relevant episode, uh, especially for my fellow SoCal residents. Uh, for those of you who do not live in Southern California, perhaps you've at least seen on the news um, how many fires we are getting down here. It seems like they're happening uh, every month or every couple of months. We have these huge fires, there's uh, property damage, loss of life, and uh, it's very hard to say why they are happening with such frequency. Is there a correlation with, uh, with climate change? Um, there's a lot of, it's a very, it's a difficult issue. And this is exactly what we're going to talk about with today's guest, Chris Giesegi, who is a wildfire researcher with the research group Westcats that he initiated in regards to extreme weather and fire behavior. So he's very literally a fire scientist who studies uh, these wildfires, uh, how they start, uh, how they can be prevented. Uh, and today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, something called prescribed burns. So um, the title was maybe meant to be a little bit of a clickbait, should we start fires, but this is actually a technique that we're going to talk about that is uh, possibly going to be very important here moving forward uh, in terms of preventing and containing fires. So um, that is what we're going to be talking about. And our moderator today to help things along is the very funny Alan Peterson, also known as the Suburban Hooligan. You may have seen him on BET. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at AGP the Funny Man. And uh, if you're in the Los Angeles area, he will be performing stand-up at the Sycamore Tavern Saturday, June 23rd, and the Fourth Wall on Friday, June 29th. So that is our panel. Uh, it's a very relevant one as this problem only seems to be continuing to escalate. We just had a fire, I think, a few days ago or last week. And it's something that the public should be aware of, not just in Southern California, but across the nation. We want to know about what is going on with fire science and how we can learn to live with fire. So let's figure out if we should start fires. What up, world? It's your boy, AGP, the funny man, a.k.a. Alan Peterson, the suburban hooligan. And I am here with Dave and Chris, and we're here to discuss, should we start fires? Should we do that, Dave? Is that a thing we should do? I mean, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here. I would assume that we should not. Uh, fire is dangerous, and I think that sounds like a bad idea at face value. Uh, of course, this is a very uneducated position of mine, so I look forward to potentially being shown how wrong I am. So, Chris, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I'm Chris, and I'm the fire researcher here in this group. I say we just let it all burn. Let's just get it over with. Just man. down to the ground. Yeah, yeah, it's Human all burned. Society. That way we don't have to worry about it at all. It's true. Uh, but what's it? What are we not worrying about anymore? Uh, fires, yeah. If we just burn it all, there's nothing left to burn. <laughs> fire is fuel, man. Fuel is fire. So Who wants trees? I'm just kidding. Who I know, wants parks? exactly. We Who don't wants need... chipmunks? Who wants... This is, this is stupid. We're, yeah, we don't we need gotta... any of that. We need, you know, like Coruscant in Star Wars, the, the planet that's one big city? Let's just do yes. that. That's great, right? Uh, no, so we don't want it all to burn, yeah. but we want to try and, and we use the word prescribed burn, sometimes mm -hmm. they're called controlled burns, because we have a sense of control over them, and we would rather have the ability to manage the forest and uh, set fire, as it would be called, so that we have a sense of control over what's going on with the fire. Um, okay. What what is the benefit exactly? What what are you, what's the goal? What is the desired outcome of a prescribed burn? So, how far back do you want to go into this? Let's talk a little bit of history here. <laughs> uh, so, fires are a natural thing in the environment, right? Whether we're here or not, they're going to burn. Fires are going to happen. Natural fires, mostly lightning caused. That type of stuff, uh, maybe major wind events, but so before modern civilization, there's fires in the forest all the time, right? This is yeah, just, that's all just the a time. Way. It's okay. a it's a natural thing that happens, mm -hmm. and it happens, and it, and it helps the forest kind of go through its regrowth process. It helps, you know, these plants and these trees and stuff. They depend on fire, and animals depend on fire to kind of revamp the ecosystem and to keep the ecosystem going along. So way back when, uh, there was always fires before humans got involved. Um, and then we have Native American times. And Native Americans or tribal communities, what they would do is they would 
do what we call prescribed burns. They would set forests on fire and they would do it under controlled conditions. That way it allowed the ecosystem to kind of reestablish itself and it would help bring in different sorts of game like elk or buffalo and stuff. So this is um, not a new idea. This has been going on since yeah, Native Americans were doing this and that's incredible. It's the first I've heard of it. Yeah. But, no, they were. So were you excited when the hills were on fire and everyone thought it was Armageddon? Were you like, yes, like this is nature taking its course? I, I was. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Screw you guys. This is all I, we're all going down. It's my time this to is, shine. <laughs> yeah, finally, I got in my car. I put on my combat boots, my combat <laughs> pants. Mm-hmm. I got my military hat, my sunglasses. I got my pocket knife, my flashlight, and I drove as fast as I'm I like, could yeah, to yeah, those fires. Up. And I'm like, we got it, guys. We now, got it. Are some of those prescribed burns that we just don't know it? Because we'll see for for, for for the listeners that are not based in Southern California, we got a lot of fires here, and you see them a lot. And are some of those actually prescribed burns that we just think that it's you know we're going to hell or is it all a conspiracy? Uh, no, question. it's it. That is a good question though, uh, because the whole conspiracy thing comes up a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I just spent last year when we had all those fires here in California. I spent a lot of time on Twitter going back and forth with people who thought it was a conspiracy. Mm. A conspiracy to do what? Well, the big the big point was like, oh my gosh, there's no way that these fires could all happen at once like this. There's no way that this is possible. This doesn't usually happen. It's happening in November and December. Yeah. It's just not what we're used to. Mm-hmm. So Maybe it's the government using lasers, lasers. to take us mm, out in logical. California. Yeah. Exactly. The liberal West Coast yeah, yeah, taking us out from space. Yeah, exactly. Easiest way and, to do it. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of sad because I even had former wildland firefighters telling me this. And like, dude, those burn patterns are way too crazy. They're not like anything mm. we've seen before. It's got to be governmental lasers. Mm-hmm. As opposed to assuming what other people would assume that it's linked to climate change. No yeah, other. climate change or people starting fires. So the right. one that we had close to us over there in Bel Air, uh, bomb campsite, campfire, mm. big winds come through, That's little sparks. Happened. Yeah, that was the one. one the guy, one, that, was the, that was the one in Bel Air. Uh, <laughs> a bomb <laughs> burnt down Bel Air. That <laughs> well, does yeah. sound like a conspiracy yeah, theory. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck your house. <laughs> That's a new, that's a new sequel to Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Well, it's, it's jazz. It was jazz. <laughs> well, he it hasn't been getting any work lately. This Fuck your mansion. As the resident black man, I believe in conspiracy theories. Mm. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and naturally, I don't trust the government. But, you know. It sounds like it sounds like that's a plausible reason that that could happen. Yeah, well, is that what you were thinking, or like lasers and stuff? I don't stuff, put or? anything. Here's my thing: I don't put anything past the government ever. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could always be doing something grimy. Mm-hmm. Not that they are, but I feel like it could, and I feel like we can't count that out um, entirely. I mean, lasers, maybe. So, but what is the objective there? Let's let's just dive into this okay. conspiracy. Oh, yeah. let's, let's let's do it. Because late, lately I've been doing like flat Earth theory episodes. Uh, I just oh, I really perfect. like uh, trying to see the perspective of the conspiracy theorist. Right? What what's the objective of the American government in starting fires in California? I think it's just when people okay. So like a lot of science, when people don't understand it and they don't know it. Mm-hmm. It's mysterious and magical to them. Yes, certainly. Therefore, the conspiracy arises. Mm-hmm. Um, so the government starting fires in California, I mean, obviously, you know, with who we have as president and the state that we live in, obviously not the number one pick for, you know, for anything good to happen. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, well, you know, the right side... Let's take out California. But what damage is actually being done? <laughs> There's a little bit of property loss, but, you know, it's not like they're poison. You know, you could poison our water supply. That might be a little bit more of a direct way to do it. If you want actual death count. Yeah. Right. Starting yeah. fires in the middle of forests where nobody lives. Right. It's not especially effective. Right. Well, unfortunately, the, the fires that we had in California last year, the mm-hmm. ones up in Northern California and then the one down here in Ventura, uh, those are actually kind of, they're in what we call the, the WUI, the Wildland Urban Interface. Mm-hmm. So that is yeah. where the wildland kind of meets, meets suburbia, so, yeah, suburbia and, yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking at a lot of structures that lost and, and quite a few lives that actually got lost. Um, now, I have questions about this because now, uh, obviously, anything that I can think of off the top of my head has already been mulled over by the fire science community. Mm. But I have a hard time understanding how there is no, there's really, there seems to be nothing we can do in, in terms of prevention or containment kind of before the fact, like like big trenches or as something that would contain a fire within a particular sector. You know what I mean? Like it just, it would prevent a fire from from overlapping beyond a certain sector is is there nothing that can be done i mean right i mean right now so what, what we do right now is, is we have fire clearing or clearing mm-hmm. or people who live in that that wildland urban interface are supposed to clear the places around the you know their property up to like one or two hundred feet now i think is regulation uh, but then it always comes down to where you're going to build those trenches they need right. to know exactly where they're going to do that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Um, so they try and clearing the brush out from all of those areas is a start, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to get people to do that too, mm-hmm. because you have private landowners versus forest service. Yeah. yeah. You know, and some people do, but you know, it, it takes time. Nobody wants to go out there in the middle of the summer during heat and, and clear their stuff. No one wants to pay anyone right. to do it on their property. I see. Yeah. And then if you put implement some kind of a tax or, or something else, then it's the big government again. Yeah. And that's so. one of the big things that we're dealing with right now is we're trying to create, we call this cohesive strategy. It's where we get people from local, tribal, state, and federal to all kind of work together and do communication about this and be like, hey, guys, you're private landowners. Let's talk about what should be done. Let's talk about... Um, when it should be done Mm -hmm. and there are even some places that it's law to do it they get written up if they don't do that kind of stuff it seems like that would be yeah that's kind of what you have to because getting people to abide by civic responsibility is not always the easiest task no no it's not mm. It's, it's not and then you get the whole you know you get the whole thing where some fires will cross jurisdiction lines and it's like okay now responsibility for the fire gets transferred to maybe a different agency or different department and they're all trying to work together but a lot of times there you know there are some issues that do happen between them Mm -hmm. do you study so you study like you went to school to study fire like just like yeah so my so the first couple years of college as far as you can go with a fire science degree is what I started out. Okay. And then, uh, and then after I graduated, I actually graduated with my, my bachelor's in business administration. Okay. Um, but I, but while I was going through college, I got more involved in the fire science aspect of things. So I actually study lightning prediction and prediction of wildfire behavior. Wow. Cause it's yeah. mostly caused by lightning. Uh, it's, mo- it's mostly human cause. You, oh, yeah. mostly human cause. Yeah. What's the percentage? The fires, do, do we know the breakdown? Uh, you know what? I hear so many different statistics. Right. Some will say 70% human cause. Some will say 80%. Some mm. even go as high as 90 And it depends on where you live, too. So certain areas that are more prone to lightning are going to mm-hmm. have more lightning caused fires. Uh, other places are going to be more prone to human caused fires. So lightning prediction, that sounds harder than predicting the stock market. I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah. a very chaotic system. Right. What goes into predicting? You're saying you work you work at predicting where and when lightning may strike? Yeah. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> no problem, right? <laughs> yeah. You, so so what we do, do you, is... Do you is, play the numbers? Do you play yeah, the yeah, horses yeah. <laughs> if you go to Vegas? <laughs> Seems easier. That's, that's what we do. So we actually, we put a map up on the wall... And we have a bunch of pins lying around with little flags in them. And whenever lightning strikes, we watch the satellite monitors. Whenever lightning strikes, we put a pin there and we say, okay, mm-hmm. lightning never strikes the same place twice. So it's not going to be there. And then we look around the map. Okay, where's it most likely going to be? Lightning yeah. struck there. It's not going to be there. So I'm that's not a myth? I'm just kidding. Okay. So that- <laughs> okay, great. The whole thing was a joke. So yeah, <laughs> yes, I should yes. just read your facial expression. I was going to be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the fuck is this guy doing? Lightning never strikes him. I said, I was, so it moves one millimeter to the left. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was waiting for the setup where the pins draw an arrow directly at the station where you're conducting the research, and then everybody freaks out and runs yeah. up. I mean, could you imagine? Because lightning is a discharge of sure. charged particles. Right. You know, two things coming together. And the size of those things, so you can almost get 
you're going to get really, 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 really small as to which particular spot lightning would hit. Mm-hmm. And to try and say, okay, that's one little spot, right. a millimeter over. It will yeah, not like hit said, that atom. It will not hit again. that yeah. particular. <laughs> right. <laughs> that electron is done. Yeah. So whatever the width of that electron is, right. okay, we now move over just a little exactly. bit to the right. <laughs> it's like saying you can't choose the same grain of sand on the beach twice. Yeah, you, you can just exactly. you're not gonna. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's not physically impossible. In beyond infinitesimal probability, yeah. Okay, interesting. So I'm still trying to what I'm what I want to align with is I, I understand the concept of the prescribed burn. In what way is does that is there an element of prevention there for these larger scale fires? How do those go together? Preventing the fires that are destroying property and that are danger to us and the prescribed burns how do those correlate okay so um as we go back in time and then fast forward a little bit so we've been doing is back in see a huge fire in 1871 in wisconsin that just kind of it it murdered killed like see one to two thousand people was that man-made somehow do you know what was the Um, cause of that? that i that i do not know See that, that I, could that could go that, that I don't that could go to your point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I that I don't remember strike it from the record no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so wait nobody knows the cause um, I'm sure if you looked it up you okay. could I just I don't remember Got it's it. been a long time okay big fire Sorry. a lot of you yeah a lot yeah of damage. so then U.S. Forest Service comes in and they start putting regulations between like 1905 um, they start saying all right we can't have that happen again so we have to suppress all fires mm. as soon as you see a fire out there in the wildland and the forest, we're going to move full on and we're going to suppress that thing within one day. Sounds like That's what we're trying to get. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? It does. Um, especially with what happened. Like, you can't blame those guys. Right. I mean, like, whew, look at all those people that just got murdered. Right. Um, or killed due to fire. So, with all of this, so, through the years, let's say up until now, recently, 10 years ago, whatever. We've been doing nothing but suppress, suppress, suppress fires. So what happens when you do nothing but suppress fires? Uh, nothing gets burned. Vegetation, mm-hmm. trees, undergrowth, bushes, none of that stuff gets burned. So it just constantly builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. Mm-hmm. Now you got more fuel for the fires. Now you've got fires are going to, oh. yeah, you've got uh, fires that are going to burn longer. Uh, there's just, there's a lot more for these fires to eat up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what has suppression done over time is it's allowed big undergrowth to happen so that when it comes and correlates with things like climate change, you're going to get uh, a lot more extreme fire behavior. These fires are going to be larger. They're going to be bigger. Um, and that's the management aspect of things that, that we need to look at. And that's the change in the fire culture that we're looking at right now. Mm-hmm. It's, okay, how do we go from doing nothing but suppressing fires to managing the forest and the wildlands in a better way so that when fires do happen, we don't have these big, extreme, crazy fires on our hands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very interesting. So, so I think one of the main things is that people, uh, maybe don't realize that suppressing all fires is actually contrary to like what forests have adapted to. It sounds like, right? Just, we've always had these fires. So to have none, all of a sudden is not it's not not good for the ecosystem essentially yeah exactly because when these fires happen you know that that's what helps some of these trees regrow so a fire comes ripping through and, and it burns these trees mm-hmm. or this brush well a lot of those things depend on fire for their seeds to spread or mm-hmm. um, for them to start regrowing again and then you have things like woodpeckers and beetles that come in and make their homes off of these uh, mm-hmm. burn areas. So they're very dependent on that too. And plus if you get a lot, if you have a lack of fire with, um, with drought conditions, now you've got bark beetle infestations, you know, mm. that come in or just chewing away and then you get a lot more dead trees. So it's not even selfish from a human standpoint, even outside of the context of how it affects humans. It just literally for the ecosystem itself, it is good to have fires sometimes. Yeah, right? it definitely is. Okay. It definitely is. So it's fire with safety. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's you don't want to overdo <laughs> mm-hmm. the fire or anything really. That That's actually kind of philosophical too yeah. when you think about 
burning something to rebuild something mm-hmm. or have the a habitat. reset button yeah, yeah mm-hmm. a reset button that's very interesting you don't yeah. want to overdo the fire and you don't want to overdo the not fire also exactly <laughs> yeah exactly. no no that, yeah. that's actually absolutely right and right now there's even this this uh the idea so like after a fire happens we usually go in there and we log a lot of the trees and stuff but there's some scientists out there that are saying we should not be logging those things because if we leave that stuff there and we allow that stuff to kind of regrow and revamp, those are going to start collecting CO2 again. Right. Mm-hmm. So therefore it's going to help, uh, the growth is going to help take more CO2 out of the air, mm-hmm. but there's some other research that says, well, the net CO2 impact there is actually zero from what the trees and, and the stuff are uh, releasing into the atmosphere as far as CO2 when a fire is burning to the stuff that it collects when it starts regrowing. Right. So there are some fire scientists that are like, no, we should not be logging this stuff. We should leave it in there. And there are others that are like, eh, you know, it's really just not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. What camp are you? Uh, I haven't quite decided yet. Yeah. Interesting. Haven't quite decided yet. I'm, I mean, I'm all for if we can take some of that stuff and log it and turn it into energy. Mm-hmm. I'm for that. And I know they do some of that. They biomass and biofuel. But, um, well, yeah, I haven't really decided yet. It seems like if CO2 levels are your primary concern, it would be a lot easier to just figure out ways to reduce emission <laughs> instead of trying to grow a bunch of trees that just suck up a little tiny fraction of the CO2 in the atmosphere. Yeah, right. and it, it depends, too. It depends on the trees. It depends on the environment that they're in. Uh, some trees, obviously, are going to take in more CO2 than others. It depends on the growth rate. Some forests are going to take in the same amount of CO2 that they've released within uh, a few years or 10 to 20 years. Others is going to be 80 to a hundred years. So it's kind of, and maybe we should be looking at it as a point where depending on the type of force it is, should, should drive our decision on that. Mm -hmm. Like rain. Well, what time? I mean, I only know the rain for, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) And like like the trees. (laughs) I remember this word deciduous. From elementary school, like, that a that's a thing, right? Like the brush at the back yeah. of my crib. No, I mean, like I don't, I don't know shit about how many uh, how many types of forest. Yeah. rainforest, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, so the yeah. rainforest. We have that's, several. You know, yeah. it depends on your climate. It depends on the type of forest and the type of trees that you're going to have in there. So uh, the forest that we have over the sequoias, Yosemite, that's going to be different than the type of forest that they have down there in Arizona. It's going to be different than the type of stuff that they have over there in Florida. There's different types of trees uh, you're going to grow in different climates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not necessarily like different type of giant jungles. You mean the different type of trees that would burn? Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, uh, cypress, redwoods. Are typically in Arizona. I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are they I was like, No, no. We you just all, pull out all we the obscure botany We knowledge. all know they're in the South Saharan. Where are they actually, though? <laughs> yeah, I mean the redwoods, Northern California. Northern, uh, yeah. Northern California. That was mm-hmm. a test for you. Yeah, <laughs> I was testing your knowledge. Yeah, my, my knowledge on trees and tree species and stuff is a little uh, shifty. Shifty. Which just goes to show you, like the subtleties of science. You know, like do you ever encounter? I mean, I definitely encounter people that are just like, "Oh, you know science, so you know all science. Don't you know this?" And I'm like, "I don't know all science." <laughs> oh, you yeah. must get that all the time, right? You're, oh, you're exactly. being asked it's questions like... about essentially botany or what would what what field? I don't know what field you would call it, but something that is admittedly adjacent. But like, you know, what are you supposed to do? I study this thing. You know, I don't know about this other thing. Right. No, that's exactly right. Because most of my focus is on how uh, is on the electrical and magnetic circuits of Earth. Yeah. Not necessarily on the type of tree and the type of plant that's sitting right there. Right. And yeah. And I I mean, I've done workshops on that in Yosemite. We went up a couple of years ago and did a workshop and I was like, oh, cool. Fire behavior. And they taught us all about these different types of trees and how to recognize them. Uh, and, and I went, like, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize I didn't actually know that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. And they even started getting into some of the chemistry of it. What is name every enzyme in photosynthesis yeah. right now? <laughs> You're Ex- like, that's not what I study. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're out there on the board and they're and they're teaching us mm-hmm. and and kind of going over some review topics and like, oh, you guys know, the, you guys remember the formula for this C6H11 and. 
And I went, oh, man, I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was 10 years ago. Right, right, right. God bless the people like this, man. (laughs) I'd fall asleep every time when I was reading uh, for English class Uh uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. You have the focus of a superhero. Like I, that's incredible to me. Well, I agree with. I f- also find literature extremely boring, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love science. <laughs> I find science like, very I, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you the best way to get through it, and this is how I get through it: is my my comprehension is actually terrible, so it takes me a while to read things. But the best way to do it is you get a book, sit down. You read it for five minutes. You'll fall asleep in five minutes easily. <laughs> and then you wake back up and you go, oh, okay, now I'm ready to go. Now you're ready. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Take the nap. That's, that's how you do it. Get the nap. You, you must take quick naps because I take like hour long naps. Mm. And then I'm just like, well, might as well go to bed. I'm going to fail the day. <laughs> you know I mean? It's eight o'clock. What are we going to get L. done here? I don't know. Is that is that a nap? Is an hour considered a nap? Or is that considered <laughs> Sleeping. My homies are like, dog, you just sleep. In the yeah, that of the day. is full fledged sleep. <laughs> I'd say probably an hour is the, no, maybe two hours. I think two hours is a cutoff. Yeah. Two hours you've slept. Because right. <laughs> some sure people slept. only sleep that much anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where do we draw the line between a power nap, a cat nap, a nap, and actually sleeping? Power nap slash cat nap, which, what is, which what I would assume are synonymous is 20 minutes or less. Yeah. Okay. That's how so, I feel oh, about yeah, it. Yeah. Like okay. Hour. Yeah. All right. Power naps very good too. I u- I do them yeah. often. I do them often. That's good because you, you you're mm-hmm. you're attuned with your. I can't. Yeah. Like, as soon as I get comfortable and fall asleep, that's it. Because I do. I only. I don't sleep much. I sleep five, maybe six a night. But then I do one power nap like late afternoon, and then I'm just I'm I'm ready to go. I'm back. I'm back in the game. That's that's how I operate. (laughs) So to bring it back to the topic, yes, fires. What topic? Does that does that technically make you a pyro? No, Mm. because you 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 yourself don't start them. Yeah, you're just like what happened? Oh, I thought pyro is just like a fanatic about fire. Not that you're like a fire fanatic. I guess they can be. That is a good uh, question. Sure, what what yeah. is the definition? Yeah, yeah, I thought they pyro, they sure. like to start them themselves. Like uh. like a kleptomaniac doesn't isn't fascinated by the concept of stealing. They they like to steal things. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think. Wow, look at that person stealing. That's, that. That's fascinating. That so yeah. Cool. <laughs> what should I do? Nothing. Just observe. <laughs> just observe. That's Excuse me, sir. Why why are you stealing? That? But it's true because like a pyromania. I don't know. Are they just like fa- they just like like to go? You know how like back in the back in the day, like metal bands would have like fire shows yeah. and stuff. And yeah. could a pyromaniac just be somebody who's like that's awesome? Right. Yeah, I, you know. That's that could be a pyro too. That was so cool. Yeah, I don't know why I slipped into that, but it's just as no. one, one adjacent. I don't know. No, I think pyros do. I think they're just fascinated by fire. I think they just yeah. like it. I think most of them enjoy starting fires. Yeah, pyros. Yeah, yeah. like that bum in Bel Air. He was. <laughs> yeah, he was, like, he yeah. was just trying to keep warm. Yeah, <laughs> jazz was just trying to keep warm. Just trying to keep warm, man. Yeah. But but the thing is, all human beings are fascinated by fire. Is yeah, that low not key, low key, low key. Yeah, that's true. I mean, come on. That's like true. I of remember course. being like five or six, and it's like my dad just being like. Like this, this is totally my dad's style to get me to think scientifically. He's a he's a chemist, and so I'd be like, "Fire! What is fire? Like, what is this?" And he would try to get me to explain to him why it's not alive. And I, you know, obviously it's extremely hard to do for uh-huh. for a child, especially yeah. because like you can't like it it moves yeah. it like reproduces quote unquote in the sense that if it touches something else, it can spread. Uh-huh. Uh, there's energy consumption going on, so it's just I mean. I c- can you imagine like being in prehistoric times and like the reverence you had for fire and when you could control fire and start fire? I mean, oh, that's heck yeah. that's the beginning of Homo sapiens in a way, right? I mean, not not from a you know paleontological standpoint, but from like a technological standpoint. That and the wheel—that's like that's the beginning, pretty much. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which came first, probably fire, because it's yeah. already, yeah. It's it's already, already there, right? And, and like cold and shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so going into the history like we did, you say don't start fires, Contro- even <laughs> yeah. controllably. Well, because it sounds like uh, starting fires responsibly. Yeah, that's and and I think what I'm beginning to realize over this conversation that I think that most people ought to learn is number one, the, it, it's hard to understand the idea that there have been fires constantly throughout history 
and that there ought to continue to be is that's sort of the natural state of things. That's a natural state for the ecosystem. So what you're saying, and then compounding that, what you're saying about suppression leading to a state yeah, I, I, as I tend to do in yeah. my episodes, uh, it's, <laughs> Naturally. it's making a lot of sense, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's other things at play, too, because, you know, every time we see a wildfire that is presented to the media, you know, the media is like, dangerous, crazy wildfire is going to come and burn down your home. Because it's the news. Because and it's the news. you have to die. You, mm-hmm. you have to be Exa- in danger to exactly. watch the news. Yeah. You know? Uh, then there's other thing, and I think I mentioned it to you before. It's the Bambi effect. Mm-hmm. So we have this picture in our heads when there's a wildfire happening, like in the movie Bambi. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fire started from a campfire mm-hmm. that all the animals are crying and they're running scared. And uh, we can't let damn. Bambi die. So right. why should we let that fire spread? Bambi and the squirrels and everything Thumper. else. Thumper. Yeah. <laughs> I forget the skunk's name. Skunk. Flower. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't Dumbo in that movie? Or am I that's, tripping? That's no, an that, elephant movie. Yeah, it's a completely that's different, different movie. It is. Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, I was just thinking, all right, never mind. I really don't remember Bambi very well, but I remember Dumbo very well. That was, I really enjoyed Dumbo. Yeah. Was there fires the, the, they're Dumbo? both kind of dark. A little I mean, bit. From, from a little bit of a standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Orphaned and, uh, flying elephant. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah. They're actually, they're going to make a live action, not to get off topic here again, but... Who's uh, playing Dumbo? Danny DeVito, or what is? Wow. He's he's in Dumbo. He's in it. You're he's kidding. in it. Yeah, I it's live action. Up. It's live action. So Tim Burton's go. producing you it. Work in Hollywood. <laughs> sign me up. It sounds like you do. No, but in general, uh, we shouldn't learn our science from Disney nor our Greek mythology or anything no. else. So. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing too. You know, like most Disney movies, they play up this whole feature, and so we see that, and we're like, oh my gosh, we can't let Bambi die. It, it's the same thing. You know, let's say you're a hunter and you're going out, and you're like, oh. Oh my gosh there's a deer i want to shoot it and then someone comes up like you can't shoot bambi it's the same thing with wildfire wait why are you gonna let bambi die mm-hmm. why is there different uses beyond beyond just we're talking about burning things or nature getting burned can you i mean this is gonna sound real stupid i know you could harness fire but like do you guys ever go really deep into like fire's uses beyond just controllably burning something because you had mentioned something very interesting about um harnessing the carbon that burns from it Uh but do you ever look at the actual like fire like i'm sure i don't know yeah so there's something so i just gave a a talk recently at a fire science conference and one of the facts that i kind of touched on a little bit something that we're seeing uh just a small we would actually have to go out and take these readings uh but i'm I made the comment, I talked about a lot of times after these big fires happen, we see rain in those areas and we get debris flow and we get flooding. Uh, so from our standpoint, what we're trying to look at it as is when a fire is happening, you have such an intense charged environment that's happening right there that you're, you're leaving and creating the sense of magnetism in the earth or in the environment in that particular spot. So that kind of maybe interplays and is able to draw these storms that are coming through to it. Uh, and, and when I touched on that, of, of course, again, like I say, we have to actually go out and do the science behind that. Right. That That's just, uh, you know, it's a thought that we've pondered. Which is a big question mark to me. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know that I would even have the capacity to understand it, but exactly what kind of data are you gathering to demonstrate these kinds of hypotheses? Yeah, so what you would have to do is you'd have to go out there after a fire and you would have to take magnetic readings. Mm-hmm. You actually have readers uh, that go out, and uh, we use it a lot when, when we're looking at lightning and types of topography that's going to create lightning. Is uh, And when these storms come through, as we can notice, we take out, uh, magnetic readers and they take readings in nanoteslas unit of magnetism and where you have heightened spikes of magnetism you're more more likely to get an event mm-hmm. so if we could take those magnometers go out to an area where a fire has happened and take readings like wow we're getting really high readings compared to what we normally would get right and then you take readings of a storm then you would kind of try and piece together okay there's an electrical, some sort of electrical connection that's happening between the atmosphere and the ground. Um, In the spots where fire has recently occurred. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Do we know why? Uh, that's, what, that's what we're looking at. They, fire science in, uh, in whole, in general, doesn't know why, mm-hmm. uh, but it happens quite a lot. 
is, uh, is they don't it? know why, but to us, it's because there's such a high magnetic environment mm-hmm. that this magnetism is attracting what's up there in the atmosphere. Got it. Yeah. So and, and more charged particles? Yeah. Ash? Yeah, uh, just the magnetic environment, because mm-hmm. when a fire is happening, a fire is going to have a certain type of charge. Mm-hmm. Winds coming through, feeling these fires are going to have a certain type of charge. The environment itself is going to have a charge to it. So you're going to have something left over when all this mm-hmm. is happening. It's really, really intense. You know, mm-hmm. there's like lightning or hurricanes, tornadoes. It's uh, movement and charged molecules trying to neutralize right. themselves. Right, right, right. So you have a magnetic environment that's there. Uh, so in order for rain to fall in a certain area, okay, look at uh, droplet size that's happening in the clouds, but something has to draw those things down because those up in the atmosphere are charged as well. Mm-hmm. So something in order to make them fall at a certain point has to, there has to be a connection that's made so that it'll fall at a certain point. Mm-hmm. So we look at and go, okay, well, if this area has a higher magnetic environment than an area over here. The rain's more likely to fall in this area. This happens to be a fire burn area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at least where our thinking and our logic has kind of taken us. So we would have to go out, take those readings, like, okay, rain fell here. This was this had a higher magnetic reading than these over here. So this is possibly why the rain fell in this particular spot. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to be after a wildfire or a big wildfire. So this is overlapping almost with meteorology kind of... Yeah, so what we do a lot is with meteorology. So when we look mm-hmm. at lightning and predicting lightning, we're looking at things like uh, induction, inversion, wind patterns, pressure systems, strength in solar irradiance, uh, magnetism or magnetic strength, uh, and how all of those kind of come together, relative humidity too, and how all of those kind of come together at a certain spot in order to create a lightning event, mm-hmm. uh, which you know a lot of that is in meteorology, mm-hmm. uh, kind of what they study. And also all concepts that are indistinguishable from magic to the common public. Exactly. Unfortunately. And to, to an extent, to me as yeah. well, it's a magnet. E&M has always been a difficult uh, area for me. I never really have understood it that well. What's that? What's E&M? Electricity and magnetism. Oh, okay. Just kind of that whole area of physics. I'm much better with like, you know, kinematics and dynamics and stuff. And right. that part always just still mystifies me <laughs> well it's so i mean it's taken me i've been doing this for what seven years and it's taken me until this point maybe last year where i could sit here and actually explain to somebody what it is that mm-hmm. i you know what it is that i do and i'm seeing and how i go about getting those results mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely not easy yeah do you think you could all right so given what you just said about fire areas being the spot for rain to come later. Mm-hmm. How? Two questions. One, how much later? And two, what? I feel like that's counterintuitive, or because like we're in a drought, aren't we? We're in a drought. Are we peeking out of it, or uh, we we technically peaked out of it last year, but we're still in drought status. Yeah. So you're saying fire. Nothing, like you said, you're still studying it, but fire could help bring rain? Yeah, so... To drought areas. Controlled fire, which is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Possibly. Fire in general possibly could. And so this is where we're trying to get together because the tribal members used to do that. Part of the reason they used to also do prescribed burns is to bring rain back to areas. I'll be damned. The question is... How science-based is that? Right. You know, so that's kind of where like, okay, well, let's talk with these people. Let's get together with them. Let's see what their perspective is on why they were doing it or how they know that actually happens. They'll go over to the file cabinet. We're like, the data is very clear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, because data for 200 years quantitatively very consistent <laughs> yeah <laughs> way back in the 1500s mm-hmm. we were actually collecting data right. on this stuff but it could be yeah. that that's the that's one of the most interesting and frustrating things about base about where science overlaps with like um a, older cultures and like the wisdom that they gained over have gained over time is like if you try enough things over hundreds or even thousands of years you'll find something yeah but most of it is obviously religious ridiculousness 
but there's like little kernels of something in there. And so that's where like alternative medicine goes crazy because the, you know, some culture will find like one herb or one root or something that has medicinal properties. And then they're like, that's it. Alternative medicine beats Western medicine. It's like, no, they're, they got, what, they, they, they've got a thing. You rub this uh-huh. leaf on this thing and that's good. That's medicine. But like, yeah. just, you got to understand why, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So and that's no, very that's, interesting. You know, they do it, the dance in it or not the dance, sorry, the, the fire. I, I mean, they did. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe they dance while they said the fire. You got to do both. You know, it's yeah, the, of course. It's, it's a combination. Combo, yeah. Yeah. But of that's course. interesting. Maybe that, maybe there's something to that. Yeah. yeah. That's no, there is, it's definitely worth looking into. And that's something we want to start doing a lot more is working with these tribal communities. Uh, and kind of like we touched on, possible problems with that is a lot of their stuff was spiritual in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at what point do we say, okay, this is more spiritual than science. Mm-hmm. And if the science doesn't show that this is happening because of this, then where do you go from there? Right. Or, exactly. how, or how do we test this in a more empirical way? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that requires getting people to go along with the idea of prescribed burns, which where are, where are we at with that? We do perform these, no? We do. We do. Uh, they, and we've actually, in the fire science community for quite some time now, have been saying we need to start managing our force a lot different and doing things like prescribed burns a lot more in order to help this management. Mm-hmm. Uh, a problem, again, is because of the public and you see fires tearing through neighborhoods and, and tearing through through forest areas and the natural environment is going down and you know of course it's not going to look like what it was because there's a fire going a through PR it nightmare. and you can't yeah you can't yeah. be afraid of it there's pressure on these fire departments and these agencies to put the fire out in the age of twitter of course yeah especially yeah. in the age of social media it's like why would you let why would you let that happen mm-hmm. and really it's kind of like well you know if you didn't build your five million dollar ten million dollar home right there in that one spot we could have true speak burn. on that i never uh-huh. under, i never understood student anyway i never yeah. understood that like the giant I, I get it. You want to have a giant house in the hills, but like on stilts in the middle of, come on, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> on the top of the mountain. Yeah, come on, bro. Top of the mountain. Like, if you want to do that and you want to study lightning because you know lightning's coming down there, do it. But know there's a risk that your house is going down, and if it does, don't complain about it. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, yo, that's some real shit, Chris, because honestly, when those fires are happening, people are like, yo, they lost their home. Like, I... Listen, if you lost your life or your home, I'm so sorry. Alan is sorry, and I feel bad for you. But at the same time, I'm like, eh. like you know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah, yeah. All right, I, bro. I like, You're it, too far away from yeah. the fire department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't get to your house. I stay in Van Nuys. There's no way that shit's coming over here. No, it is a concrete yeah. grid. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. so like I've mentioned before, you know, it's this is the second time. Last year was the second time that uh, – uh, Oprah's house in Santa Barbara has been under scrutiny for being in a fire-prone area. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's kind of funny because, like, in 2008 it happened. Her own house almost went down in 2008. And, again, almost last year, uh, her and Rob Lowe. Interesting they live next to each other. That's such an interesting <laughs> pair of celebrities live next to each other. But, uh, but, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, these poor people, they're losing their homes. But what about Oprah's home? Almost like Oprah's home is completely different than everyone else's home in society. It's a, yeah, it's a historical yeah. site. Yeah, it's it a is. national park. <laughs> it is. It's, All uh, these homes are threatened, and Oprah's home right. is threatened too. But I like what you said that, yeah. we, that 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 she's being scrutinized. It's like this is the one niche where scrutiny is falling upon Oprah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's untouchable anywhere else. It's like the you're great. But yeah. Why'd you put your house there? Come on, this is not cool. Yeah, Oprah. exactly. That's funny. So, so now we have to have that conversation when with communities where you're building and you're building new homes, the further and further we start reaching into the wildlands and the forest areas, at what point do we come up with regulation that says you can't burn, you can't build there. You mm-hmm. can't build there because it's just too dangerous. And if you do, you got to have crazy insurance and no insurance company is going to want to cover you because you're right there. Right, right, right. That seems within the realm of reason, right? We can outline certain areas that are higher risk areas and have some kind of laws surrounding building there. Isn't that feasible? Yeah, it it should. It should be. But right now, I mean, people can kind of have free flow of it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as far as I know, Mm -hmm. as far as I know. Now, take us through what 
the steps of a pers- you call it prescribed burning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because okay. I yeah. find only because I want to understand what that means. Um, the only reason I would be nervous about that is not because of oh shit's on fire. I I, I don't want some hungover schmuck. You know, like, oh, I got to right, do the right. yeah. prescribed fire today. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, let me grab my bottle then, of yeah, Jack yeah, and, and I'll be and then <laughs> fuck it up. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so that's yeah. that's why I kind of want you to delve Walter, are you it. drunk again? Quiet woman. I got to go start a fire or the, <laughs> or the drunk campers nearby that nobody seemed to see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that too. I mean? yeah. So what's the yeah, steps like human error is what I'm afraid of. Um, but maybe the way you guys do it is. I'm also interested in the actual instrument used to to do it. That's, That's yeah. both of these uh, things. Blow torch blow is torch. our instrument Sick. of choice. Yeah, so <laughs> seems about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh gosh, I was just thinking about the flamethrowers that Elon Musk was selling. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> I was not aware that he. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, he, he was selling flamethrowers for five hundred bucks. I'm yeah, like, oh was. gosh, it's gonna be a crazy year. Um, <laughs> But anyways, so prescribed burn, basically they look at an area, they're like, okay, this area needs to be treated. Either it hasn't burned in a while, there's a lot of undergrowth, or maybe they have some other reason. And they say, okay, we have this area right here, we want to do it. What are the weather conditions going to be like? When is a good time for us to do this? Mm-hmm. Because the other big issue, too, with a lot of these fires is weather. Weather is the unpredictable factor that you have going into these fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of a, a fear also of people is every once in a while prescribed burn does get away from them because the wind is unpredictable or because storms come in that they weren't expecting. Uh, for the most part, we have a pretty good handle on it. So yeah, so they'll say, okay, this is an area we want to burn. They go out there uh, right now, the landowners or the, uh, the state agencies or the feds, they go out to these places, they bring out some torches, uh, drip torches, actually. Mm. And uh, and they'll they'll look at a map and they'll say, okay, this is the area that we're gonna burn. These are where we're gonna control it. This is where we're gonna contain it. If anything happens, this is where we suppress it. Uh, just kind of looking at it to see exactly what they mm-hmm. want to do. Then they'll light it up, and a lot of times they'll even uh, light it up in different spots so that it kind of burns into itself. Mm-hmm. That way, it all kind of gravitates towards the same point. Mm-hmm. And um, if the, and, and if anything goes wrong, they're all there and ready to go with a plan, I assume, right? Uh, sometimes. So that's, sometimes. Where, so that's, that's where we get into it. Yeah. So, so I mean, if it's a landowner. That's what I'm afraid yeah, of. Yeah. I mean, if, it, if it's a landowner, <laughs> right. hopefully they know what they're doing. Hopefully mm-hmm. they've gone to the community meetings and they've talked with the oh, fire departments s- and everything. So this is not a fire scientist. This is just I'm some guy. I'm sure. They, exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm sure okay, well, they that's... didn't go to that meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of them They most got of the blowtorch from Musk and then they just did their own thing. Most of them do. But mm-hmm. yeah, they'll go out and they can, you know, they'll do their own burn on their property. So or, it's their property. So this is somebody yeah, who owns it's, it's acres and acres and acres yeah. and acres of land. Yeah, okay. a land, um, private, private yeah, landowner. Seems like you should alert somebody. Yeah, I mean, mo- most of the time, they're pretty good at saying like, "Hey, we'll let the fire department know we're I'm gonna do a burn on this day. Do you guys think it's okay?" Or they'll look at the weather conditions, like, "Okay, this is the day we're gonna do it." Sometimes, uh, play like Cal Fire. Sometimes we'll go out there and actually keep watch and kind of hang out and make sure things go well. Uh, not all the time, but we're trying to get more of that. We're trying to get mm-hmm. more of the okay. Anytime there's a burn, we have firefighting personnel on site doing this kind of that stuff. That seems reasonable. Very, very reasonable, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's hard again because we have that jurisdictional boundary between private, local, state and government or federal. Uh, I see the red yeah. tape. Yeah, the so red tape. The on fire exactly. tape. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the typical area that you would burn? Uh, it, it depends on what they're looking at. Um, so. Here, here's actually, it's a terrible figure I came across earlier this year. It's that a lot of times we do prescribed burns so that if a fire does come ripping through, it doesn't have as much fuel to consume and it's easier to suppress if needed. Mm-hmm. All right, that's one of the big tactics in terms of uh, land management and wildfire fighting. The stat that I read this year was that it's only like 1% of prescribed burns have actually had any effect on wildfires that have come through that area. Oh. 
or haven't even been involved in wildfire activity. Mm-hmm. So in other words, prescribed burns are happening in places where, yeah, there's undergrowth, but not places where you're more likely to see a fire. So they're almost having very, very little impact mm-hmm. as far as uh, where they're being burned or the boundaries that they do it. Because we're not doing them in the right places. Exactly. Okay. And so they want, so that's kind of something else that we're looking into, uh, my little team. And so if we know that certain environments are going to create more of a charged environment, then we know there's more likely of winds or weather or fire going to happen there. So those are the areas that we want to prescribe. So if we can prescribe those, we know, hey, this is an environment that's going to create an accelerated charge condition. So that's where you're going to want to have your prescribed burn because there's more likely of a chance for things to go wrong at those points. Mm -hmm. And would that be a more remote area or somewhere closer to where we live or no correlation? Just it could be anywhere. Uh, so where we want to have it happen is closer to this wildland urban interface. Mm-hmm. So if we can start closer to where this interface is and take uh, like inwards outwards approach. So start from the communities and go outwards towards the forest is going to be a lot better than if we try and just do random places inside of the forest. Because then you don't know where it's going to, if you start at the interface, you're eliminating 180 degrees of, of potential uh, yeah, growth of the fire, you're, right? you're, you're eliminating potential fuel for the fire yeah. close to the community mm, yeah. uh, to where if we just go out there and we do it in random spots, Who that's great. Right. But the fires that we're concerned about are the ones that are going to come ripping through like the Thomas fire and take out all the structures and threaten people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, force them to, to have to evacuate and stuff. So if we can start from the interface and work our way outwards towards uh, the more wildland areas, then that's the approach we should be taking. Mm-hmm. And the, uh-huh. only, the only point against that is the potential risk to property and lives, right? It, it is a real risk. No. Yeah, there, I mean, there, there's always going to be some sort of a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of prescribed burns were able to control, you know, if they're done right. You'll see a lot of times actually prescribed burns get canceled because weather changes throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not like, screw like it. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's when someone comes out and I don't give like, a damn about the what? Johnsons. <laughs> we got to burn these trees yeah. down. I never liked them anyway. Get them out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All of these controlled burns are being done in Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. Burn them down. Burn them down. <laughs> Apologies to anyone listening from uh, the deep south. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because when I introduce, I go to these fire conferences and stuff, I always introduce myself like, yeah, I'm from L.A. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the big joke last time was, oh, you're from lower Alabama? Okay, that's mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> and I'm like, well, a little different. Uh-huh. <laughs> L.A., lower Alabama, a little different. Quite a bit. <laughs> I think I so. Yeah. As if you couldn't tell by looking at me, I mean. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the, the listeners cannot see you, but they will <laughs> if go. If they could, yeah. listen, if they could, he's a dashing young man. He's, he's quite dashing. He's quite uh, dashing. The, 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 the model fire scientist cusp That's over insane, here. insane, man. Looks yeah. like a Calvin. <laughs> you need a calendar. Let's just put it that way. He's going he's gonna to calendar. Muscles two, are rippling through his shirt. 2019 insecure. calendar I'm coming soon. I'm a fat soon. black guy. This is <laughs> insane. Hey, you know what? I want to try and use that as soon as possible. I say do it. I went to a. Never mind. What? Your attractiveness? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, dude. He has dimples, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> hey, man, whatever works. Shit, the dimple talk's coming out now. <laughs> I mean, you. I look around at science communicators, and it is just, it's absolutely undeniable that attractiveness is, I mean, at least in the younger crop. Um, it's a factor. I mean, the ones that are getting traction, they're better looking. Wait, That's really? Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. I was it fucking is. around. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, I mean, oh, it's. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it is. I don't think it's uh, a sentence. I think you know. I don't think if you're less attractive, it's impossible, and if you're more attractive, it's a certainty. But there is a correlation, I think, between attractiveness and the sex uh, success. Sex, success, the success of say a YouTube channel or you know a young science communicator. I think that's oh, absolutely true. Totally, totally. Yeah. Huh? Um, mm-hmm. I would, yeah, I would really, I would agree with that a lot mm-hmm. because we just have we have that that stereotype in science and science communicate. I mean, most people think of science communicators as scientists, and there's definitely a stereotype mm-hmm. that goes with for it. Sure, for most sure. 
you know, have been scientists or, you know, have higher degrees in science. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's always definitely that stereotype in it, that typical kind of like nerdy looking science dude or chick, you know? Um, so when they see something different, it's like, Oh my gosh, you gotta hold on to this. Gotta hold on to it. Or even in line with it, just an attractive version of it. I mean, it's just, it's our baser, it's our baser instincts. It's just how it is. Yeah, It's not just science communication. It's also, you know, broadcasters, news and uh, actors. And (laughs) it's just the way of the world. But I just, it's interesting to see it really being uh, a factor of science communication as well. Oh, yeah. You want to get people to watch the news Westcast? You put a really good looking woman up there or a nice, handsome man, and people will watch it all day. Well, that, yeah, we figured that out 20 years ago. And now you turn (laughs) on the channel, you turn on the news. If you don't see a a stunningly attractive person, you're like, what happened? Oh, yeah. I I walked in the gym. I walked in the gym the other day and they had the news channel on. I forget which one. I won't, Mm -hmm. I won't mention it because I don't want to put anyone down. Uh, But there's someone on there giving the news that wasn't as attractive as some of the Mm -hmm. other stations. I'm like, what is this? What is it? Why are we watching this right now? Yeah. This is terrible. Change the channel. Louis I didn't. I didn't come here to. <laughs> Louis C.K. has the best bit about it. He's just like he's commenting on exactly what we're talking about, and he's just like, "When did this happen?" And you know, you turn on the news, and just some gorgeous woman talking about Libya. He's like, "What Libya? Say what happened in Libya. Tell me what happened in Libya. Say Libya. Libya. He's just, <laughs> it's pornography. I mean, the news has become pornography. I mean, so I, I don't think science communication is at that stage. Obviously, you know, those who are successful, I think there's a lot of merit to what they're doing but right you know i find myself in this weird position where i'm like i have like a little bit of an alternative look i'm not ugly i'm definitely not, not like gorgeous like i'm just kind of like eh, it's it's, a, nah, it's that nah, guy he's nah, some guy well my appearance is not specifically detracting from my success so I, at least i'm there and, and i'm just trying you know i'll go jog and be like you gotta you gotta you drop a few, both, man. You, got, nah, you, <laughs> you on your both. own TV yeah. show? You well, gotta <laughs> get this going here. You guys are both stunning. <laughs> well, you know what? I think. Thank you, by the way. Yeah, of course. And 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 I'm, just remember your thought. That doesn't mean Chris doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not what I meant. I'm just saying. Of course, it's as a plus. is evident right. through this conversation. So where I'm looking to go with this next is. I say we bring some porn into this. I mean, if you can have a porn <laughs> channel where someone's giving you some low-down science, oh, we definitely got something here. Well, you I could mean, just use the old trope. I mean, instead of the pizza delivery, you know, you're the fire guy in the forest. You're <laughs> you're ready to start the controlled burn. Yeah, or, I was just about to think that. Or there's a woman <laughs> there, and uh, I I prescribe a burn. I don't know. I I, I'll I can't think of it off the top yeah. of my head, but it writes itself. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, that's so gangster. Yeah, but. Apart from, so I think that what we're identifying here is we're identifying a lot of uh, details about prescribed burns that people don't know. So like what, what are the, what are the main facets of this that need to be communicated to the public and how do we do it apart from pornography? (laughs) Uh, The big thing is we need to learn to live with fire. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there no matter what, whether it's human caused, whether it's uh, naturally caused, it's going to be there. And it should. It should. Yeah. Things are changing. We need to help kind of manage the forest because humans are having an impact on it. So trying to help take care of it and take care of the lands, you know, as well as things maybe running their course. We just we need to learn to live with fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need to be okay with the fact that we're out there prescribing burns ourselves and trying to do it in a controlled environment. That way, when things, if things get to the point where they're going crazy, we have a little bit more management behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. That's a good soundbite. We need to learn to live with fire. That's, yeah, that's a, you know. We, we do. And, it, and it's a huge thing that we're really driving right now Mm -hmm. and you know one other thought that kind of comes out of this is we have this Smokey the bear character i always say he's our number one fire scientist Mm -hmm. uh because everybody knows Smokey and his do people still is this still a thing do kids today know Smokey? i know Smokey. oh yeah oh yeah does a six-year-old today know who Smokey is yeah oh definitely (laughs) they got they got some new they got some new commercials for Smokey the bear okay yeah he still has his big birthdays He's too, but yeah. Smokey says, and "Don't strong. start fires." Don't yeah, start so fires. so that's kind of the, you know where do we see this whole Smokey the Smokey the Bear? He, where he do we needs see like an evil twin, thing? and then yeah. they then they learn to work together, yeah. right? Um, so you know, so so even <laughs> Smacky the Bear. <laughs> I'm Smacky. Yeah, <laughs> Smacky Bear. <laughs> yeah. 
It's it's boo boo <laughs> apparently, <laughs> <clears throat> voiced by Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need um, some new we need some new initiatives. We need some new yeah, campaigns we, here. Right? We do because yeah. you know Smokey, as much as we don't want humans causing these fires unintentionally, mm-hmm. we want you know we'd rather deliberately cause them ourselves so we can control them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his saying also implies forced fires, wildfires are bad. And we should not have them. Right. So it's kind of like, eh, well, where do we go with this whole smoky character mm-hmm. guy? You know? We can just subtly change the language. Yeah. Maybe just just a little a bit. A few words here and there so just that we're not implying bit. no fire ever. Just you don't do it, you stupid kid. Just yeah. for no reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> now, is there other things like this, like ways to... Other forces of nature, wind, water, love, love, all the all the planeteers. Earth. <laughs> Earth. That's heart. Sorry, it's Mati. Right? Wind. <laughs> Hold on. Earth. Fire. Wind. Water. water. Heart. <laughs> exactly. Our powers combined, Captain Planet. He's yeah. a hero, but uh, da, 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 down to zebra. Yeah, that's a that's a relic. We all seem to be similar age. So. <laughs> So, could you use? All right. So you said there's prescribed like burn. Is there like a uh-huh. prescribed like? I mean, water's an issue too. So is there like a prescribed? I know that's not your expertise, but is there like a prescribed like tsunami or is no, like a way to like? Let's talk about let's talk about water. Okay. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about it a little bit. Prescribed tsunami. That would be phenomenal prescribed if we tsunami. or like a prescribed. Like, would that be? Come here, <laughs> come hath, bring forth your yes. raging whirlwinds of water. And then we're back to polytheism, and we just yes. run the whole circle again <laughs> yeah. from ancient Greece. Is, is, exactly. is there any other parts of science or elements that we could do that? Um, here's the big one, and this is something that we. So I have written a script, West Cats. Science fiction, mm. of course, yeah. <laughs> because we got to make it interesting. We got to <laughs> make it as cool as freaking possible. Um, so this is something we'd actually written about it in 2010 was when we first uh, wrote about it. And in 2015, someone kind of developed something similar. It's uh, frequencies. So fire itself is going to have a certain frequency. If we know the frequencies that we can use to blast a fire, we're going to extinguish that. Or we can even use it to shape fires, to control fires. Frequency of acoustic energy? Sound, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, Interesting. That's yeah. So, so these, two, these two students, I can't remember if they were uh, going through their PhD or, or master's students, kind of had a similar thought, and they c- developed this little Ghostbuster pack mm. thing that would shoot out sound frequencies. And they and just wail on an, on an electric guitar, <laughs> like Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so that, that, that was actually <laughs> so that was actually our concept was mm-hmm. we would have these giant speaker systems that we call automatic or accelerated charge blasters, put them in the back of Jeeps, roll with those suckers to a freaking fire, and then blast some good old frequencies at this shit. Leonard Skinner, live at the forest fire. Exactly, dude. That's pretty dope. (laughs) No, it's awesome because then what you would do is you could actually use, uh, possibly try and find songs Mm -hmm. to different frequencies that are going to emit different frequencies, and you might as well make it as entertaining as possible. Mm -hmm. And blast maybe like metallica or you know maybe if you need something low down some hip-hop or something like yeah. that it <laughs> ends up or being some... like chumbawamba is yeah. like a big song that does it and everyone's Lock like in, oh, down. i guess there is a point to have that song <laughs> yeah. exist That's awesome. exactly to try and shapeshift the fire yeah. or try and help uh control it a little bit or maybe even extinguish it if you can get a big enough frequency on there Mm -hmm. Uh, And then why stop there? Why not even bring it up another notch where we have dancers in the back of the Jeeps dancing to the songs, choreographed routines that we're blasting these tunes to. 
I mean, you want public awareness. Yeah. <laughs> Dancing Ex- uh, ladies. Exactly. Is one way to do it. Ladies in heels and tight leather. Mm-hmm. And guys can do it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys can do it too. Let's take that even up a, a further notch and let's put hovercrafts in the air that use charge frequencies to blast the fire from above mm-hmm. or suck charged energy out from the fire to help distinguish it too. Shit. Well, I mean, you know, I was asking for ways to <laughs> explain this to the public, and you really hit the nail on the head here. I mean, this is case closed. I don't see why we're not doing this. Yeah, so. it's uh, no, it's something we've written about. It's something we have. Somebody out there has developed a little prototype, mm-hmm. uh, but we want to develop on bigger scales, and mm-hmm. we can. You know, what does it come down to? It comes down to money. For mm-hmm. sure, for sure. You know, we got to have them bills, bruh. Mm-hmm. But uh, you need a. Uh, you need a Musk type. We do. Mm-hmm. We do. Elon, if you're listening, holler at your boys. Yeah. You want to see I the tweet. sexy fire dancer ladies with the rock fire <laughs> killing band? Yeah, come you know on, what you man. Do. Come on, man. I know you're selling enough Teslas. <laughs> you rich <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> I tweet at you all the time, man. Come on. I gi- I've given up tweeting at people. They never I haven't. Replied. Fuck that. Yo, if you're listening, yeah. I'm out here. <laughs> I mean, if somebody tweets at me, which happens like once every two months, I always reply. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lot of activity. My Twitter account is not a hotbed of activity. But, uh, yeah. No, nobody just really is. It's all a mirage, man. It's all just an Smoke illusion. Smoke and mirrors, huh? Yeah. yeah. You know. Smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And mirrors. That's no right. pun intended. That was good. Now, are you convinced? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, let's 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 uh, let's put the nail on the head or head on the whatever that expression is. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's nail the coffin let's shut. Let's nail the coffin shut with the fire inside. We've contained the fire. It'll burn through. It's, it can't burn through the coffin. It's a special kind of wood. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that apart from the delicacies of uh, the intricacies of making sure to minimize or eliminate property damage and you know, danger of all this, it sounds like there's a lot of aspects of this that make a lot of sense and uh, ought to be implemented in an intelligent and organized way. That, I think, is the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think intelligence, that's the key. organized, cohesive yeah. management strategy. Scientific. Scientific, exactly. Yes, it's all about the science, people. Mm-hmm. It's all about the science. It always is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's easier said than done. So yeah. Right. Oh, no, completely. It is. I mean, we run into these problems all the time, butting heads. Scientists not agreeing on the same thing. That mm-hmm. happens, too. Of course. All over, all over the place. Right. No matter what it is that you're looking at. So it's a controversial time for fire science, one might say. It is. It is. And I... Uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I have to withdraw myself because I'm like, oh, God, I really hope there's a fire coming soon because I want. But at the same time, I, go, ah, I probably I mean, shouldn't. Like, am I talking out loud? Wish that. Yeah. In the I'm Starbucks? Sorry. I mean, I that mean, sounds no, like a fire. No fire. No fire. I just. Yeah. Can't wait for shit to go. Yeah, exactly. But I hope we, something can bust right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we need fire. It's part of the environment. We need to learn to live with it. And if we can manage it a lot better, you know, we can do it. And then hopefully people like. You know, me and my research group come along and we can predict lightning a little bit better for their, for mm-hmm. fires caused by lightning and stuff. Learn to live with fire. That's the that's the yeah. take home in any in every way that that sentence can be applied. That's a good uh, and that's good way like to talk deep. About I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not even just literally. I mean, now we're talking literally, but even yeah, like, it's literal. And then there's there's more layers to it yeah, as well. I like yeah. That. Yeah. Live I, as in where your areas of habitation are in relation to uh, these areas and. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's good gangster shit good man. stuff that's a good it is, man that's a hashtag yeah yeah it is can't take credit for making it up but well we who did we'll I'll spread it like wildfire <laughs> good <laughs> I like Similes, it bitch. I like it I'm clever I have a podcast <laughs> alright I think that's good you guys that was a good that was a good one alright good talk good out. talk thanks for, good. thanks for having uh, me on man absolutely you know. thanks for having me Dave you nice to meet you Chris pleasure alright good night everybody Night.